Hi, and welcome to Adoption, the journey of becoming chosen. My name is Emily Wells, and glad you're back. Today we have a good friend, Jessica Pudwell, who is our featured guest. Woo! Hell! Hey! Um, some of you know her as Pud, or I don't actually know if you have a lot of other, do you have other nicknames that people call you than Pud? Uh, that's the main go-to, you know, they'll take different forms of pud, you know, puddle. Um, there's lots of different forms that come with it. So yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. There that's, that's come around. A lot of my young life kids like to go to that one. Oh yeah. They get to know me. So yeah, it's all over the place. So there'll be a lot of different names that might pop up during this episode or that maybe you can come up with, but, um, we met, we both came on young life staff. Um, at the same time. And so we were in the same training class. So um, if you listen to Karen's episode, she and I had met at the same place that we met. And so there's just a lot of connections and um, in young life, just like a lot of places, there is turnover. And so the longer you're on staff, the less people from your training class there are. And so whether it's been like seeing each other on assignments or at trainings or just having a lot of mutual friends, like we've kind of just like come in and out. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Young Life, um, the camp thing we talk about that's in the summer, we have um, this position called the program team. And they're the people that kind of make sure the camp has just like energy and fun and kids are just like being kids. And there's like a certain talent that you have to have in order to be like a good program person. Um, and Jessica Pudwell is like the epitome of that. Like so thoughtful, everything's intentional, like super inclusive humor. There's a lot of times where some people can like take a easy road maybe and maybe make a dig at someone and use kind of like negative humor. But from what I've seen of you and what I know of you, you always use the positive humor. And I feel like that's something that kids don't get to see very often in adults where we're not using humor to like tear people down, but to build people up. And I feel like that's like your reputation, like in the mission when you do program, like that's the kind of person that you are. So that's been my experience with you. And I think that was the first time we met, I'm pretty sure. But would you add to that or anything? Well, first off, wow, that was very kind of you to say like, holy cow, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so thank you. You're welcome. God, it was, that's very kind. Um, <laughs> So fun. Yeah, I I remember meeting you at New Staff. That was super fun, just being in that room uh, together and sharing life as a Midwest. Yeah, and then it's just been so fun on different trainings and assignments, just like running into each other in different ways. And it's always been this like, hey, like, good to see you. And then like, that's pretty much it type of thing. Um, with all, all this deep, like, I want to be Emily Wells' friend. Like, just let me be her friend. So this October when we got to get together, that was so sweet. Uh, and I feel like the start of something beautiful. So yeah, it's been a sweet 10 years for it, nine years for us, whatever, which is crazy. So crazy. Ah, wow. I still feel like it's like year two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like and the funny thing is like, what happens in young life for those of you again, who don't know is like, we're around each other so much that you just have like this blanket friendship with all these people. But like you said, like we never had really had like a ton of long experiences together, but it's like, we still know each other and are around each other enough to have like 
an understanding of each other. So anyway, we'll kind of get into um, how I found out about your life a little bit later, but can you just give like a generalized bullet point of like who you are, where you live, what you do, kind of like those nuts and bolts? Absolutely. Um, Yes. My name is Jessica Pudwell. As Emily said, I am from Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Um, So a small town, uh, in somewhat northern Minnesota, close to Fargo, North Dakota. Hey Um, it's lakes country. It's beautiful. This is where I grew up having fun. Um, I went to school at Bethel University uh, down in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, um, a small private school where I studied youth ministry. So it was kind of destined that ministry was probably going, or I was going that way. Um, and yeah, right after college, went on Young Life staff. Um, the first year down in Bloomington, Minnesota, and then uh decided to head back home and I've been up in Detroit Lakes for eight years now uh doing life and ministry here so yeah it's crazy super crazy and super fun and but yeah I love adventure I love playing I love the outdoors I coach soccer um just finished my fifth season coaching um our varsity team I'm the assistant coach um I love sports and yeah love what I do I'm the associate area director here in Detroit Lakes um And yeah, it's just a a fun thing. It's been a crazy ride. I did not realize that you were there for eight years. Like, I mean, I know you've been on staff, like, you know, how long you've been on staff, but I didn't realize that you have been there in Detroit Lakes for eight years. Like that, that's crazy. Wow. Amazing. Um, what, okay. So if you had a Saturday all to yourself and you had like a credit card that you didn't have to pay back like what would be like your perfect Saturday oh okay it would be probably sleeping until eight or nine uh waking up making uh some coffee and to set the scene it's probably like July 15th uh here in Detroit Lakes uh so it's summer uh it's probably 85 degrees and beautiful um I'd go and have coffee out on my deck um and my friends would be with me a few of my friends um and they would be sitting with me on the deck we'd have some sweet convos uh probably one of my friends would make a delicious breakfast um and we would just do life together about 11:30 noonish we would head out to um my parents house who live on a lake uh and we would uh then jump on a boat um with fun foods and drinks and all the things. And we would sit on that boat probably until 8 PM. Um, and just soak in the sun, cruise, jump in the lake, um, hopefully surf, uh, and meet up with more friends. And so that would probably be the majority of the day. Uh, and then end with a bonfire and sitting next to the lake there. So that's probably the dream right there. Wow. I would never come up with that dream, but that I like, I'm down. Come on. So if you're looking at this and you'd like to sponsor Jessica's <laughs> Jessica Petwell's Perfect Saturday, let us know. Um, yes. Email, you can sponsor that. Um, <laughs> you can buy me awesome. my, my dream boat. That's really what you oh, could really sponsor. Okay. You know, I'm fine with buying the food and the and the drinks and stuff, but I'll, I'll take the boat if you want to sponsor that. Oh <laughs> a Mastercraft God. X-Star. Just, you know, just send it my way or oh, a Nautique, you know, something. So just anyway. I love that. We we were never boat people growing up, but we have a couple of friends, like I have a couple of friends now in my life who do have like boats or lake houses. I know like in the North, do you guys call them cottages or lake houses? 
we call them lake homes or cabins, but I love cottages. I wish it was what we did too. I know that, it, that as you go more east from uh-huh. Minnesota, that's what everybody calls them. Yeah, it's cottages, but we call them lake houses here. So I always feel like cottage sounds like, I don't know, presumptuous, but then people in Michigan were like, I feel like lake house feels a little more presumptuous. It's like, <laughs> it's all like, you know, who's to say, but it's just so funny. It's like cottage, lake house, cabin, lake home. Is that what you called it? Yeah, well, because here it's, it's everybody's lake home. Like they live there for pretty much, oh. you know, in my town for the most part. And then for the folks that don't, it's their cabin. They come to their cabin. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You guys actually live on the lake all yeah. around. What a gift. Yeah. So. yeah. Can you just tell us about your family growing up? Like, who was it? Who did you grow up living with? All those kind of things. So uh, I've got my parents um, who have been together since seventh grade. Um, I know they're so stinking cute. And then uh, my younger brother, who's four years younger than me. So there's been the four of us uh, that grew up. Uh, My parents built our house um, just under 30 years ago um, that they still live in. So the house that I grew up in, or no, just over 30 years because that's the house I grew up in. Um, Yeah. So. (laughs) <laughs> my sweet family yeah the four of us do you have like other family in town like cousins aunts uncles or is it pretty much just your immediate family yeah growing up it was pretty much just our immediate family my grandma lived like an hour north of us um and then eventually did move into Detroit Lakes before she died um and then I did have you know some family that lives an hour away they still do um, but then everybody was kind of scattered. People are actually starting to make their way back to this community because um, my parents just grew up north of where we are um, and then ended up in Detroit Lakes. So, yeah, now it's kind of fun because everybody is starting to make their way back to Minnesota um, mm. or closer to us and stuff. So it's really cool. That's so much fun. Um, so the thing that Pud was saying, we were at this training together, um, about a month ago. So, um, when we were there, we like shared parts of our story and like we've said, we've known each other for almost 10 years, like in and out of conversations. And she shared about how she is adopted. And I was like, so taken aback. Cause I was like, wait, what? How have I known you? I mean, I know not like the depths of your soul known, but like, how have I known you for 10 years and not known that? And um, I mean, I never asked, but I never thought, to, <laughs> I guess, um, you know, like, hey, are you, are you adopted? Like, I just <laughs> get a hunch. Like, that's a, if you're listening to this, please do not go up to people and ask them that. Like, that's just, that's not going to be good for your health or theirs. So just don't do yeah, that. Um, not good. But can you kind of share just what you shared when we were all together about your process and how that's been um, a defining moment um, for you and just what that revelation has kind of been like over the past years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I was adopted at birth. Um, uh, The the woman that gave birth to me was 25 years old um, and decided she didn't want to have me. and so she gave me up for adoption and, and the parents that were so lucky to get me um, were not able to conceive um, because uh, my mother, um, well, both my parents were in a horrible accident when they were younger and that put my mom uh, in a wheelchair. She's a paraplegic. Uh, so they were just not able to have kids. And so, hey, they got 
my brother and I, um, and it was not an easy journey for them, uh, especially uh, me being the oldest. They kind of had to fight for it, especially 30 years ago. Um, it was not very normal um, for folks with disabilities uh, to adopt. Um, and so it was definitely a process for my mom, uh, just, you know, proving that she could raise children. Um, and so, you know, when they were finally approved, um, they got me. Uh, what a gift. Um, really? And when they listen to this, they'll be like, okay. <laughs> um, uh, so hi, mom and dad. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I was uh, adopted at birth. Um, I don't remember any moment of like learning that news. Uh, I just remember there was a plaque on my wall growing up, the adoptions creed. We grew up Catholic and there was just this creed on my wall and uh, just saying that you were loved and all this stuff. Um, and so I remember that. Uh, and really through my growing up years living at home, you know, I, I just was very fine with it. You know, I didn't really tell people, you know, kind of like you, Emily, I just didn't tell you. Uh, yeah. I didn't tell people I didn't see the need to, yeah. um, not out of hiding, but not out of like, you know, like, oh, I need to tell the world. So it was just this, mm -hmm. like, when people found out, they were always so surprised still to this day that happens when they're like, what? Um, and yeah, it was just kind of just who I was. Um, I didn't feel very different. I mean, there was parts of my life that was like, I do remember being like, oh man, I wonder what people think of me, you know, because of this, but it was never this like, uh, whatever, you know, like it, I never mm -hmm. felt judged or uh, an outcast because of it. Um, and it wasn't really until I was uh, 26, 27 years old that like I realized, you know, the effect that it really has had on me, uh, not in crazy, terrible ways, but just um, I've always struggled with a fear of abandonment uh, and people just not loving me and caring for me. And uh, through major counseling, um realize that it uh it comes from this moment that a woman just decided that she she didn't want me um and so I'm very grateful extremely grateful that she made that decision and super grateful for my parents for who they are and how they've loved me but you know there is this deep-rooted um fear that people could just on one decision say like mm -hmm we don't need Pud no more, or like, we don't want her, or we don't love her. And so that has been a huge part of my story that I didn't realize until just a few years ago, which is kind of crazy. Mm. So then like, when you look back, like, in the moment, you maybe weren't like feeling that way. But kind of with this like new revelation, when you look back, are there any moments that you're like, Oh, I maybe internalized abandonment with maybe relationships, friends, rejection, anything like that? Like, do you look back and think, oh, I really processed that a lot deeper and maybe that's connected to my fear of abandonment versus had I not experienced that as a child, maybe that would have gone different. I know that's kind of specific, but I don't know if that's like come up for you over time. Oh, well, I don't know if this will exactly answer it, but Absolutely. I don't know if there's even specific moments, just my life. Uh, I'm a two mm. on the Enneagram. And mm. so I just want to serve and help people. Um, and I think it probably came out of this, like, well, I have to love people for them to love me. Um, and I have to, you know, show up for them, for them to love me. And if I don't, 
then it's going to result in abandonment. Like it was like that extreme for me that it was like, if you don't love people, if you don't care for them, if you don't help them or whatever, um, they're not going to see any use for me or need for me. Uh, and then they'll abandon me. It, it like really became this thing. And, um, that, that, that drove my life, you know, and I think I'm a wing three of like this, like excellence and best being the best. And so like that compared with helping and serving and being the best has been just ugly. Cause if I'm not, then I do feel this like, well, people don't, don't care about me. They don't love me. So that's been a crazy thing. So I've seen that woven through my entire life of like from my parents to friends and other folks, like just how I do life every single day is, mm. you know, oh, if I don't do this, then, then I'm out in their books. Mm. Yeah. It's for those of you that aren't familiar with the Enneagram, um, Kyle and I on an earlier episode talk about the Enneagram and spoiler alert, season three um, is going to be some returners if they're willing to give their time, but talking about um, adoption and abandonment and the Enneagram and how that kind of comes together. So that is going to be season three. So I would love obviously for you to come back and to kind of talk about that. But for those of you that don't know the Enneagram, it's, it's not really a personality test. It's more of a, it's not what you do. It's why you do it. And so a lot of people in the young life, Christian community, faith-based community are talking about the Enneagram. That's, there's been like a resurgence just if you aren't aware um, of that, but could you give just like an overview for people who aren't familiar with what an Enneagram two is? Could you give just like a little spotlight on, on what that means from your perspective? Uh, The Enneagram two is called the helper. And so they just love to help people, (laughs) whether or not that, that person or the group of people want it. Um, and so in a healthy world, uh, uh, Enneagram two, you know, is just there for folks. They have empathy, uh, they're caring. They just kind of get it and and can step into folks' lives in sweet ways. Um, (laughs) which sounds very like, look at me, like, that's what I do. Um, but when I am healthy, it is a sweet space that I get to step into. Um, in unhealth, it, it turns to pride and it turns to like, well, let me just fix you and let me just, you know do this for you when folks don't really want that. And it, it can go really ugly very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. and just that, like, in kind of what I've said of like, well, m- me helping you is going to define me and it's going to feed my, you know, ego and it's going to feed who I am and it's going to give me my worth. Um, and that trail goes pretty ugly quickly. And so that's the, in the unhealth. So yeah, the Enneagram too, the helper, which mm-hmm. is a sweet thing, but also the dark side is very dark. All of them. We all have borderline or intense abandonment issues. And so it's kind of like the way I picture it as you were describing that is someone who has this deeper kind of wound of that original abandonment. And like, what does that mean? And never having closure to me, what you're describing is almost like putting a doorstop into the door so that someone can't close it on you. It's like, oh, but I'm helpful. I can do this for you. Like, and I, I'm I'm characterizing it. So I, I don't mean that to be, or care, be doing like a caricature, but that's what I imagine. And I can imagine like, especially when you add on an abandonment complex 
as what someone like you and I have experienced, like you're digging that doorstep doorstop in so that it doesn't close. And so it, does that feel accurate? Yeah. I love that. I've never thought of it in that way. Um, that is exactly what it is that I'm, you know, that even if I did screw up that the wiggle of it, you know, just, it barely moved it out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, but yeah, I'm driving in that doorstep. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. A sweet way to look at it. So then like, how have you seen that within even your family structure of like being the older sister, having a younger brother, have you seen kind of that like drive to like, wedge in have you seen that in your family structure at all yeah for sure um we're all very different the four of us um and so I've kind of been the middleman in a lot of things uh and so I want to serve all sides whenever there's something going on from Mm -hmm. you know arguments within the four of us or you know beyond from grieving uh, in in different situations of life that like I'll step into the middle to make sure that all are well you know that Hey, are you doing well? Are you doing well? You know, and just trying to, um, just be that person that, that loves and cares the best, uh, you know, type of thing. And, Mm -hmm. and yeah, as a kid, I can just remember like getting mad about something, you know, and then this instant regret of like, are they going to just like throw me out type of thing? Like, are they not going to love me? And, uh, that was big for my brother and I, when I was in college of just like, just trying to figure out our our relationship. I just remember being like, did I say something wrong? Did I not love him well? Did I not help him in that situation? And just fearful of what was on the other side of that. And so, yeah, absolutely. That you kind of, you try to just do everything overly, you know, and it, it was, and is still really tough of just trying to be that person that for everyone, trying to make it the best for them all. Yeah. And it's, it's like, um, so, um, instinctual, like, it's not this, like, oh, this super calculated thing. It's just so instinctual to respond in situations. I feel for everyone. Um, when you're feeling like it's like fight or flight, when you're Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, I'm about to be left or I'm about to be abandoned. I'm about to be rejected. Um, that there's something, in us that it's so fight or flight, you don't even realize you're doing it or you're feeling it or experiencing it. It's just like a wave hits you. All I know is I got hit by the wave and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And it's just so, um, yeah, it just, it kind of comes out of nowhere that it's not this super intentional, like, and now I'm going to do this and now I'm going to do that. And do, do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say even like, it's deaf. I like that fight or flight. But as an adolescent, like trying to figure that out, like, man, is it even more like I, until these last couple of years, which it's still very much like instinctual, like you said, like fight or flight, like I've at least learned a little bit like in the process or right after the process of like, why did I just fight there, you know, or what happened there? Mm-hmm. But man, growing up and as an adolescent, like that was un- like you just didn't know and it would just be catastrophic sometimes. Yeah. What do you feel like when you look back as you're speaking into that for your childhood? um, Do you feel like there was like a season in your life, like elementary, middle, high school, even into college where you kind of saw the, you can see the fight or flight being like more intense? 
than in mm-hmm. other seasons or looking back, does it feel pretty even? That's a great question. I've never thought of that. It was probably pretty even until college and it wasn't like college got crazy, but college was just such a different, you know, going from small town to, you know, a, still a small school, but in a city and whole new world, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do remember that was probably the whole time, the whole career of college, like just probably more, it definitely spiked in that season. Was it just like being around brand new people and not knowing people? Like, could you contribute that to anything in particular? Yeah, it's probably that. I think, you know, growing up in a small town, you, you, you gain most of your friends, you know, at kindergarten. And so some of those friends Mm -hmm. still to this day, you know, I met in kindergarten. And so I was like, you didn't, I I still felt like I had earned things with them, you know, and that they could abandon me, but we had just been in it for so long together that it, it just, you know, you go through those however many years, 13 years together. It's kind of like, well, we're stuck in this together. And then you go to college and it's, you know, you're, you're meeting all these new people. You're trying to figure out life in general. It's this whole new chapter of independency. Um, you know, and you're, just everything is just new. Um, and so I think then it was this, like, who are my people? Like, do I want them to be my people? Well, I want everybody to be my people and I want to love everybody well. And I I don't want to feel rejected or abandoned from anybody. And, you know, that's, I think where it was this highlighted moment of like when somebody would reject me or, you know, just part of college of like, we were in a class together and now we're not, you know, type of thing that it was this like really, interesting season of just trying to process that um all the while still doing life with a lot of my good friends from um you know from Detroit Lakes my small town you know who all lived or good a lot of them live close to me in the cities and stuff so it was a bizarre time of just Mm -hmm. who am I what am I fighting for I'm fighting for everything which is exhausting and Mm -hmm. trying to get through this life so now I'm kind of thinking back to just what you said about, um, so your parents both were in a wreck, you said, mm-hmm. so does your dad have physical disabilities as well? Nope. No, thankfully he doesn't. Um, yeah, he's, he's great. So, so then, but... that what? I just said, so is my mom, but she just, yes, yes but is it, yeah, he, she, he didn't experience that. So then for you growing up, I guess, what was that like for you of, I'm just now imagining like for you growing up, thinking about you as the helper, thinking about having a mom who is going to need your help for certain things. Like how did that interact being abandoned and being adopted? Like, have you processed anything or is that not really like part of your story? No, that's a, it's a great question. Um, I feel like I'm just starting to process this, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think my mom made a comment in the last year or two about, you know, we grew up on this lake or I grew up on this lake, you know, and we had docks, you know, the water right there. And my dad worked and my mom, um, didn't start working until I think my brother went to kindergarten, you know, so I was, uh, nine, you know? And so there was always this fear in the summer that Cole and I would just run off the dock, you know, and she wouldn't be able to, you know, save us in that moment. And she just made that comment of like how it was really stressful when we were 
we are kids um, type of thing. And I was like, man, I, I've never thought of that. Um, and I do just, yeah, remember as, as a kid that I was, you know, having to help with all these things, but it, it just was very normal. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't think twice about it until recently of like, oh, wow. Like the things that, you know, she had to do that was so different from an, a, a mom that, you know, didn't have any disabilities and just those type of things. And just how much she had to think about things and process things, you know, even b- before taking us somewhere or, you know, taking us into a store or even getting us in the car and those type of things. I'm like, man, that is amazing what she did. Um, and so I don't look at it more as like how much I had to help. Cause I'm sure I did. And now I look at it as, you know, a 30 year old who lives in the same town as her, her parents who gets to now love and, and serve them as, you know, they grow older and stuff. And just in this season of life, um, that, it's more of, I feel like a, not a stress, but a, 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 a weight that I feel now of like, well, I, I would just want to help them as much as possible. Um, so I don't know if I look at back at, you know, as a child, I'm sure I did help as much as I could. Um, and probably, you know, rolled my eyes as much as I could too, not <laughs> thinking about it, but now it's more of a thing where it's like, Oh, I'm definitely overcompensating these days while Mm. starting to process this, like what happened, you know, during those years? Mm. No, that makes sense. And I, it's like interesting too. And I don't, I don't have a, like a salute or an answer to this, but it's just an, it's interesting to me as you talk about this, that most people that I've talked to um, it's like, well, when I look back, this is what it was. And it's almost like, you're like, when I look at my presence, like my present moment, that's really what's helping you kind of dig in. And so Mm -hmm. I just think that's really, it's another perspective that's different than other people's of like, you're kind of digging in now versus yeah, there's this one really traumatic thing that happened in second grade and I've carried it with me and maybe you'll uncover those things, but it sounds like you're like, it's the here and now it's the, like, what got me here and how can I process that now versus all of my childhood, all of these things were like existing. And maybe in a year or two years, we could come back and have a conversation. You're like, okay, it's totally different, but it's just interesting to hear like the kind of the start of your process and like how that's been going. And it really is that, you know, I look back at my childhood and I'm like, man, I was so lucky. Like I had a sweet childhood, you know, and it was really great and felt very normal, uh, which it was. Um, And so it is interesting that, yeah, like there isn't much from my childhood that I look back and go like, whoa, (laughs) like, yeah, I need to process this other than, you know, these things that are coming up now that it's like, wow, I I haven't asked about that or I haven't thought about that just because I didn't think anything of it back then and so it is kind of a fun a fun season you know to be in of processing all of this yeah Um, and I feel like in not a like a well this is painful but more like uh releasing almost Mm. of so much Mm. yeah I like that so I guess for you have you or and maybe you already know this but have you ever tried or wanted to look for your birth mom or birth family or anything like that? I have not. Um, it wasn't until I think I was 25 that I found out really anything about 
them, uh, especially this birth mother of mine. Uh, like I hadn't asked, I didn't really, yeah, I, it's not that I don't care. I just don't have this like deep desire to know anything. Um, mm. but somebody had said to me, like, had, have you ever like looked into the health background? And I'm like, no, <laughs> and they're like, maybe you should do that, which I still haven't <laughs> to be honest, uh -huh. yep. but yep. that kind of started that conversation of like, could I look into that if I needed to? Um, and then some conversations came from that of like, do you want to look for her? Do you want to know more about her? You know, and it was kind of like, you can tell me if you think, but still like I have friends who are deeply um, like uh, excited to try to find, like they've spent time mm. looking for her because mm. we found out she played basketball for college and all this stuff. And mm. um, so they've had fun like looking into this and, but I'm like, yeah, you go for it. If you even want to meet her, if you find her great. Um, mm. I don't want to, I'd love to send a thank you card with that's mm. the extent of it. Of like, I would like to uh, say thank you to her, but you know, beyond that. Right. So your friend, you're saying your friends are looking into her. They're, they've tried. Yeah. I have one specific, well, a couple that have really looked. I thought, uh, you, especially. Were, I thought you were saying that they were looking into their own bio family, but you were oh, saying. Oh, no, 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 no. Bio mine. <laughs> wow. That's. Yeah. 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 They're, they're pretty uh, convinced that it could happen. And I'm like, that's yeah. right you go for it. You know, you can tell me mm -hmm. fun facts about it if it actually happens. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I've no. never, not something that you're interested in. No, no, yeah. not at all. And I feel like it's, it's so, um, there is no person that's alike. I think everyone has such different feelings and, thoughts on what that would be like. I think for, I mean, for me, obviously it's different because my bio mom definitely speaks Korean. Hmm. The chances of her speaking English, I have no idea, like no clue. Yeah. Also, it's like, you, you, there's just so many factors that I think for people who are internationally adopted, there's kind of the fantasy that happens, like, because it's so far away and so far removed that you're kind hmm. of like, always wondering whereas um Kelsey Nikovich who is on a previous episode um she talks about how one time she saw her bio mom like she knew who it was and they were in the same situation but like neither of them talked to each other and like I it's for me I was like oh that would never happen to me I that like actually would never happen to me living mm -hmm. here and so it is just so different hearing other people's stories and their perspectives, because I think my, I have fear in, in wanting to reach out. Cause I'm like, what if she doesn't want to meet me or what if she's dead or what if she has really severe mental health? And like, you know, we wouldn't even be able to communicate or what if she's happy? Like there's so many, what ifs for me that I have, I've gone through that I'm almost like, I don't know if that would bring me any type of closure to actually meet her if I ever could. Like it actually might bring more pain. And whereas other people are like, no, I want to meet them. I want to have a relationship with them. I want to get to know them. And so it's like, we all have such different stories and it's just all over the board. So, and plenty of people who are like, yeah, like I'm grateful to be alive. And so there is something to thank her for, but 
like that's kind of the extent of my interest and that it kind of sounds like that's like that's where you're at that's exactly yeah that it is so cool hearing you know you just say that like that we are just so different uh, in this and these experiences that it just that I could just sit and listen to you for hours but really I could um but yeah that is I'm just so grateful and my parents are my parents that's what I've mm-hmm. you know said since I was a kid, like, mm-hmm. yep, they're my parents, like, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to look at them every, any different, and I, yeah, mm-hmm. I know they'd be totally fine with me wanting to find her, or meet her, or whatever, but I'm just like, no, like, they're my Don't parents. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, when you were growing up, because you said you, like, you, all your friends, you meet in kindergarten, and then you kind of grow up with them. So did everyone else know that you were adopted? Or did you like end up having to tell people along the way, like people like me, who've known you forever? Like, or did everyone just know because you're in a small town? Yeah, I don't remember really. I remember two instances where it came up. Um, One, I didn't have control over. And then the second, I think I did say something and then anything in in between, I don't remember. So I remember, I think I was in eighth grade playing soccer uh, and my mom after practice one day was like, Hey, just to let you know, like I, you know, told some of the moms that you're adopted Uh, and they were all surprised. And I was like, you did what? (laughs) Like, uh, and I don't know why it caused this. Like, I still am like, why did I like react Mm -hmm. like that? Maybe because it was out of fear of like, Oh, they're going to tell their kids and then they're you know, their daughters are going to reject me because of this. And I remember I got over it quite fast. Like, and my mom felt bad. She's like, I'm sorry. I took away your voice, you know, in this and I moved on. Uh, So that I remember that moment. And then I remember, I think being a junior in high school and I was bowling with some friends. Um, And somebody just, I think said something to me about it. And one of my friends was like, what did they say? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm adopted. And she was like, no, you're not. Uh, And I was like, (laughs) no, I, I am, <laughs> you know, like she's like, no. And she's like, I'm calling your dad. And she like called my dad, you know? And I was like, here's the phone, like give him a call, <laughs> you know? And so she called my dad and was like, Wayne, like this can't be true. And he's like, uh, <laughs> well it is, you know, like the same thing. And she was shocked by it. And so that was another moment that I remember it being like this, like I, I did say it out loud uh, and was totally fine with it, you know? So those are the specific moments that I remember growing up and still mm-hmm. today it's like you look so much like your dad you look like your mom and I'm like thank you <laughs> you know like that's nice you know and we get that all the time but those are the two moments from when I was growing up that I remember you know it being said out loud by my mom and then by myself where mm-hmm. but then otherwise I I don't know how they all found out <laughs> I don't know if my mom told everybody like you know she did the soccer moms or if you know friends that stayed over saw that adoptions creed and then they just processed it on their own I guess I should ask a lot of these folks how they found out (laughs) it's interesting because again being non-white and adopted by white parents I just have Mm -hmm. such the opposite experience like and and it's not better or worse it's just so different like I can't imagine living my life where people did not know that I was adopted because it was so obvious. Mm-hmm. And so when people are like, yeah, like people didn't like, I didn't know. I'm always like, it breaks my brain. Cause I'm like, I get it, but I don't get it. Cause it just was so different from my life experience. And again, 
another reason why it's so important to share our stories with one another, because mm-hmm. you, you quickly learn that your story is not everyone's narrative. And you yeah. learn that, like you have a unique story to you and you can't project that onto other people or assume people would respond the same way just because you would respond that way. And so um, I just find that fascinating. Okay. So my next question would be looking back on those scenarios based on how you were feeling in that moment with your mom at the soccer game or at the bowling alley. Like if you could go back in time and be your 30, you said, yeah, 30, 30 year old you in that body. Like how would you have responded differently if you could go back in those moments? Yeah. I mean, for sure that with the soccer moms, you know, and just my mom telling me that, like, I think I would have one wish I wouldn't have reacted like I did towards her, you know, out of this like fear or whatever it was, um, you know, and, and then I think I would have loved to lean into it with the, the parents that were told, you know, uh, and their daughters, you know, who are my friends, like just to, you know, like, Hey, have your mom's told you, you know, type of thing. And like, let's, talk about it or not you know like how do you feel and is it a surprise or whatever so I think lean into it you know and I think at the bowling alley um yeah maybe just have a longer conversation Mm -hmm. and see you know process maybe why I didn't share with her before Mm -hmm. or you know why she was so stuck on this like there's no way (laughs) you know type of thing Mm -hmm. um maybe just to sit in the feelings a little bit more which is something that I'm trying to do as my 30 year old self. (laughs) So, and not that your responses were wrong or negative or they should be different, but it's like in those moments, I feel like we can learn so much about where, how far we've come. And then Mm -hmm. like, what is still lurking? That feels maybe too scary of a word, but what is lurking beneath the surface? You know, like we all have that inner child that we're trying to help grow with us. And so it's like in those moments, like that reaction still lives inside of you. It's, it doesn't dominate you. It's not like you're, it's not the front of your head, but knowing just that difference of like, how would I respond today versus how I responded then? I think it just can like reveal and spotlight just places of growth and change and health. And so I think like, it's cool that what you would do differently is to have conversations where like the reason those things happen was because of a lack of conversation. So I think that's cool that like going back, you're like, yeah, I guess I would want to talk about it and be more open and like have a conversation. Like, I feel like that's a huge, from my perspective, like a, a amazing growing point to go from, oh my gosh, why'd you tell them to, yeah, maybe I would just like sit down and like have a conversation about it. Like those feel so different. And obviously you were in middle school, so that was a really long time ago, but not everybody grows out of that, that fight or flight. Not everyone has a journey where they grow and they respond differently at 30 than they did at 15. Some people still are 40 and still are responding as 15 year olds. You know, we see that all the time in ministry and in families that we're, we work with, you know, you see that the child's in the, in the parents be louder than the adult in them, you know? So I think it's cool that you can almost document 
your own personal growth and your commitment to just like being like the truest version of yourself, you know? Yeah, I love that. I really appreciate those thoughts because even just hearing you say it back to me a little bit has is like, oh yeah, like even, you know, college years and maybe just after too, like when somebody would find out or I would tell them, it was like an instinct to move on from it quickly. Like to be like, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal, which it very much felt that way still then, but I would move on quickly. Uh, like I remember just being like, let's get off this subject quickly, which is how I just am anyway about anything, you know, but now it, I do give a space for, I, I try to, for questions to be asked because people always have questions when it comes to adoption of like, when were you adopted, you know, and then it, it just spirals. And so I, I really tried to give space so that people aren't wondering, you know, that I can answer those questions. Um, and so, yeah, now I enjoy talking about it not that I wouldn't have enjoyed it but I just was like let's move on really quickly mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just the just the fact that like <clears throat> when I was like hey would you like want to be on this podcast you're like yeah sure that'd be great like even that huge difference then you know what I'm saying just like you're talking about this you're sharing your your life with me and with whoever listens you know like yeah such a that to me is such a testament of <clears throat> human growth and your commitment to, to that, because you, you don't just like grow into that. You have to kind of fight for that. And like, this is a silly example, but I remember in my mid twenties, I was like, so the skill of budgeting isn't just going to like come. Um, so I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. Like I really just felt like there was going to be a moment that I was like, Oh yeah, now I budget. Like because it's like you graduate middle school, you graduate high school, you graduate college, you get a job. Like everything in my life had been so like this is what you do that I was like, "Wait, I don't just like know how to budget. Like I don't wake up one morning and just know what to do. I have to like <laughs> actually do some work." And so I feel the same for this. Like our mental health, our trauma, our wounds. Like we don't just wake up one day and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult. I feel so great about life. It's like, no, you have to fight for that. You have to dig in. You have to be willing, like you you said, sit in the hard feelings and whatever that is. And I think that's evident in our conversation today that even if it was reluctant at times, or even if it was really hard, that you have been committed to healthy growth, you know? I love, I just love that you compare that to budgeting because that is just, that is like a different topic, same logic. It is. Uh, I think that's beautiful how in all things, at least how I function, it is this like, well, just, let's just, it just needs to be done. I need to know how to do it. And Uh it Uh is, all these things are such processes. And so it's, that's perfect. It's such a beautiful example of, oh, it is so hard. Yep, totally. That's great. Um, okay. This is kind of my last question. I, I don't really want to end with a question that's about someone else because I know that you are someone who always will spotlight other people than yourself. But I <clears throat> wanted to hear your thoughts on this. But like, what would you say 
to people who are listening who maybe have disabilities of many different kinds who want to adopt and aren't able to have biological kids. Like, I just think that was really powerful at the beginning, what you Mm -hmm. said, where you're like 30 years ago, it was so different. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I never thought about the discrimination towards her, probably as a woman, as a potential mom. I just, I literally cannot imagine just the, the systemic things that existed that were against her and not there to like help support her in what she wanted and what she was capable of doing. So just from your perspective, would you, what would you say to that community of people or yeah, I guess that's really it. Yeah. That's a, that's a sweet, sweet question. Um, (laughs) my funny side goes like, yeah, go for it. Like you get something sweet like this. Um, but first off, like, I'm sorry would be, you know, like, I don't think they get to hear that very often. And like, I'm sorry, this has happened to you. I'm sorry, the battle you have to go through just because of your disability. Um, I'm sorry for how people look at you and they don't believe in you. Um, yeah, I think I'm sorry would just be the first one and sitting in that. Um, and then thank you. Like, thank you for fighting for people. Thank you for still loving people. Thank you for even just considering, you know, doing this because, um, how sweet it has been, you know, for me and my mom, you know, she is my hero. She is the strongest person I know, uh, for so many reasons, but because of her disability and what she has to fight through daily, um, because of it. So, um, I think even considering it, I'm like, thank you. Like that potential child that you'd bring into your home would be so stinking lucky to have you um, loving them and showing them a different perspective on life. So I think those are the two things uh, I would say just off the top of my mind. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I think for people like me or other people who are listening, who that's not their story where their parent doesn't have some type of disability and hasn't experienced that type of lack of help and support from people that should be really supporting them or whatever that is. Like that's so eye opening to me and like even wakes me up to my own privilege of, Mm -hmm. of that and how I, I don't have to think about that every day. And so I think that's just like a, a heart and a gut check for me of just like a reminder to like, see people for who they are and just be aware that that type of pain exists and that there are people who are fighting to have a family and create a loving space for kids who maybe would grow up without it. And so I just think that's a great way to, to end the episode, but also um, a powerful takeaway for me as a human, um, like after this, that this is something I'm going to be thinking about of like, wow, um, what are ways that we can advocate in that way and I don't know yeah that just gives me a lot to, to think about as well Absolutely. well thanks so much for being on this like you you know it's like we all have things going on so I'm really grateful that you'd be willing to share this part of your life with me and those who are listening thanks so much Pud thanks Anne that was so fun um, as always Next week's episode will come out on Wednesday. You can hear that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you can stream a podcast. Thanks for listening. It's always a choice and have a great day.